Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneiderite. We also have joining us today Rutgers beat writer Kristen Olaski and Rutgers beat writer Craig Epstein. Guys, we got a lot of talk- topics to cover today. Uh, sort of a grab bag thing of football and basketball. Um, first thing off the top though, we had the spring game this past weekend, uh, which culminates spring practice. Uh, so now they oh. move on to about a month off before they start their summer workouts and things like that. And the additional freshmen can get on campus. So guys, uh, now that you can actually talk about some things, because we actually all, as the public, got to see some Rutgers football played, what were some of your uh, your your high level thoughts about how the spring game went? Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah, so obviously the weather wasn't wasn't the best for the spring game. Uh, I know I know Richard was there early. He kind of let me stay home for this one, so I'm <laughs> much appreciated to him for that. Um, but yeah, just overall, I mean, it was really windy. It was cold. So it was hard to get a feel for, for really the offense and what the quarterbacks could do. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Greg Schiano was kind of happy about that. You know, they kind of didn't have to to reveal much and could just say, oh, you know, the weather affected everything, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, I mean, the quarterbacks did okay. I mean, they did. They completed a couple passes. I, I think they made the right reads and the right decisions. Uh, they just weren't accurate a lot. Um, but I thought the running game did really well. Um that's what you're really going to see in, you know, where Kirk Schrocker ran the show. Um, he wants to run the ball, and Rutgers has, like, I don't know, five running backs at least that could run the ball. Um, Aaron Young really impressed me a lot. I think he's I think he's back from his injuries that, that he's dealt with. Um, he was he ran really physical. Um, he's very aggressive, and that was what the coaches kind of talked about all spring. So um, he wasn't, you know, he didn't shy away from contact. He went right after you. Um, Al-Sadi Shalom did pretty well, too. Um, obviously, Manungai. And, uh, you know, Sam Brown, you know, they didn't play. Um, you saw the freshman, Jason Benjamin, get some carries and a couple walk-ons that did pretty well, too. Um, I guess I guess the offensive line uh, maybe improved a little bit. Um, they got some pieces. They got some depth pieces now that are coming along. Um, the wide receiver room, they're kind of – they're still inexperienced right now. There are a couple veterans, like Isaiah Washington is, is stepping up a little bit. Um, Christian Dremel, um, you know, he won the uh, what's called the Offensive Most Improved Award in the spring. Uh, he's another senior veteran guy who's been there a while, um, former walk-on, who's kind of stepped up a little bit. But um, they're probably definitely going to need to add someone there. We'll probably talk about that later at some point. Um, but yeah, defensively, I thought I thought defense, I thought the defense is honestly probably going to be um, the strength again of the team. Uh, the defensive line has has depth. Um, even saw like someone like Stanley Dennis uh, really make an impact in this one, and um, they did, and and they did rest some starters too. Obviously, you know, no sense of put them out there in a game like this and the weather like this. They've all played a lot of snaps already, um, so yeah. I mean, you know, Bo Masco is is a freshman who kind of who kind of you know caught my eye too. He's very he's very physical, um, and then you know you got yeah you, you know you saw some new guys like Eric Rogers and Flip Dixon back there, so. Um, just overall, I mean, I guess the spring game was the spring game. Uh, you know, it was low scoring. I, I guess we kind of joked that, uh, you know, 
if you could lose a spring game, maybe they, they lost the spring game a little bit just because um, the weather was bad. There wasn't a lot of fans. The offense didn't really do as much. But, um, you know, there's not much you can expect in, in weather like this. But um, just overall, uh, I guess the coaches now and players have some film they can look at and uh, they can learn from it going forward. What about you, Greg? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it's kind of just the it's kind of what you expect from a spring game. A lot of very vanilla, not really showing much offense, and the only the weather didn't help on as you saw. I mean, there was a bunch of drops, a uh, bunch of kind of just little these little mistakes that like you wouldn't expect, but you know the weather probably threw them off a little bit. Um, thinking about the quarterbacks, there was nothing really that really like jumped out. I remember Gavin came out and like the first two throws looked pretty good. And then after that, there was just really not much from either side. You saw it looked like some accuracy issues, which has kind of been a little bit of a problem, I think. Um, between under, there were some balls that were overthrown, some balls that were underthrown. So that's something definitely they got to work on. But, and the, like we said, the receivers, nothing really jumped out to me. But the running game looked pretty good. I think Avery Young probably had the best performance that I could, I, I saw out of the spring game. And I think with Kirk, with Kirk's offense, it's going to be a case of when something's working. He's just going to keep going back to it until, you know, the opponent can stop it. So as you saw throughout the spring game, it was just like hand off to Avery Young, hand off to Avery Young, hand off to Avery Young. And it's like, that's probably going to be kind of the MO of their offense until like really a quarter, whether Gavin or Evan, you know, really starts to pick it up when the receivers start to get their, you know, footing under them. So that's probably going to be the case of their offense for a little bit, something they're going to have to work on, you know, during the summer. And, like you said, Chris, I think once again, defensively, that's going to be the strength of this team because like we've written in now a couple of articles is that they're focusing more, I guess, on violence. You know, they're they're tapping into the dark side of Rutgers defense. So it's going to be cool to see, you know, if they can even last season, like as as much as the offense kind of held them back, the defense still played well. So it's like it's going to be interesting to see if they can take, you know, even another step and just to see, you know, what what happens and if they can, you know you know, raise, raise the bar with their defense. Rich, you were there that, uh, for a miserable day on Saturday at, uh, SHI. <laughs> What'd you see? What are uh, some of your takeaways? Yeah. I mean, I, I think number one, it's a two horse battle for quarterback. I think that's kind of obvious. I think we all knew that anyone that's speculating that Johnny Shepard's going to get the job is just, is just flat out wrong. I'm sorry, but like, it's clear he had what three attempts, maybe like 10 snaps total. Um, I don't know who's leading. I, I would argue Wimsat's leading probably, but it's it's very close. Both both looked average, man. Running game, it it is what it is. Like you you don't have two of your key cogs there, and like Chris mentioned, in uh, Sam Brown and Kyle Manongai. Salam looked good though, so that's always a positive. I would just put him at slot receiver at this point, but the slot receiver is a position battle too because Dremel's looks like he's beating out Rochelle right now. If I had to argue, but. I don't know what's going to happen there. They need a receiver bad. Um, I'm not going to bag on them too much because you weren't missing Brantley. You weren't missing Chris Long, and those are probably your top two receivers at the moment. Um, I think everyone's super optimistic for – or super – I don't even know the word. Everyone's really hoping that Isaiah Washington is going to step up, and he just he just hasn't yet. And I don't think he did in the spring game either. I don't think he showed much. Um, they, they clearly need to hit the portal for that 100%. Offensive line – Meh. Like, Iron Brown's pretty solid, I think. Holland Pierce is a pretty solid tackle. 
I had one guy message me and he's like, what'd you think of Dante Chin? He looked pretty good out there. And I'm like, yeah, that, that one where he let Kenny Fletcher, like really walk around him. Like, yeah, that was great. Like <laughs> the backup line is just, is scary. It's like scary, bad. Um, you have a converted defensive end in Kamar Missouri at one tackle. You have a redshirt freshman at the other tackle. The guards are a makeshift of former, uh, what do you call it? Just linemen just moved around a lot. It's, I just, I think this offensive line needs, needs a guard badly, needs another tackle badly. I think you gotta, you gotta hit this portal hard. Like, I know we're gonna talk about it in a few, but like, I just think this offense is, the same offense as last year. I don't think it's much different. I hate to be super negative, but the defense looks phenomenal. I think they look great. Um, now you could probably add another body in the secondary because uh, you probably need a, another safety. I would say right now, like Charles mock was back there. Like I know they want to play like that Izzy and role with him kind of, but Igman is not developing as much as I think they thought. And that's kind of why I think he was on the white team and not the Scarlet team, but that's just a guess on my part. Um, Cornerbacks look fine. Linebackers are stacked for a change. Defensive line is really stacked. I I just think this offense is just it's it's meh again. And I hate to be negative, but it wasn't a pretty showing at that spring game. I know weather, blah blah blah, inclement weather, this that. It affects everything, but there there was just it wasn't anything impressive in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know you know, how much we could realistically expect them to improve from last year. Like they didn't really change much on offense. Like if anything, they lost all three of their receivers who were all seniors. They lost their best offensive linemen. Yeah. They didn't really add any replacements there. Uh, so to expect them to look any better six months later, I think is kind of silly. Um, and it is like Chris alluded to convenient cover fire that there was bad weather. So that you can kind of chalk up their, their, their play to that. But, I'm going to leave this to the room. Whoever wants to take this, Ken, did this team that we saw on Saturday on TV look really anything different than what you guys saw all spring? Um, I'll, I'll say it's, it's kind of, you know, up to par of what I saw all spring. Um, I thought, I thought, I mean, I don't know if we could talk about it really too in depth, but no, just um, like a general vibe. Did this team look like light years different than you saw all spring when you were gotcha. watching. No, I mean, I, w- I would say it looked, it looked the same. Um, I mean, the defense out outperformed the offense in general, you know, throughout the spring. Um, you know, we saw what we saw. The run game uh, did did well, but, um, you know, in terms of the pass game, that, you know, that struggled, and that's, that, and that's exactly what we saw on Saturday. So, um, I, don't, I don't think I don't think anything was, was really different. Um, um, in terms of maybe the kicking game, we didn't really see much of the kicking game in the spring game, but um, I, I really think Jay Patel is really pushing uh, Jude Makatami there, um, so that's going to be an interesting battle, you know, for the for training camp. Um, and and uh, Jay Jay Patel, he didn't play last year. Jude Jude kind of took the reins, um, but it might have a new kicker this year. I don't know. It's too early to tell now. Um, obviously, they didn't get much work in the spring game, other than uh, you know a couple extra points or or, or whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, just in terms of general, generally speaking, like I said, the offense has been has been kind of down and, you know, but I mean, like I said, you can't expect miracles in six months when you lose a lot of guys. Um, but yeah, Jen, but I think, I think the defense is just, just, I think the defense is going to be really awesome this year. Um, I'm sure they're going to add, add to it even more if possible, like, like Richie kind of alluded to it too. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think special teams is a concern too. And no one's really talking about it. Like I, mm-hmm. I know Patel is pushing Jude, like you said, but I don't know if either's really that great. On top of that, you have a new punter who looks, eh, I know, weather, blah, blah, blah. 
And then you have a new long snapper who apparently doesn't yeah. like. You saw the one snap to um to Flynn, and it was like it was like oh there it goes. Like all right, great. This is this is fun. So the special teams that used to be like one of their strengths is now in question, and then they don't even know who their kick returner is or punt returner. Mm. So it's I, I feel like special teams is an issue as well, and that's usually their bread and butter. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you have to kind of wonder how many, uh, how much worse some of the games that we lost could have been without a guy like Adam Corsack the last few years. Because how many, you know, ninety plus yard fields did he create for for Rutgers uh, defense where they had to just like, you know, teams had to literally march the entire length of the field because he didn't kick the ball into the end zone. He pinned guys, they pinned teams down inside the ten yard line just consistently. So. If we have a punter who's not kind of up to par with where uh, Adam Corsack was, which is most likely the case because he's the best punter in program history. So uh, that could, you know, bode uh, poorly for the team in general. Um, yeah, I thought one, one of the more – yeah, go ahead. So I just want to add one more thing too. So we kind of talked about it after after one of the scrimmages. Um, I mean, I don't know if they, if they would do it, but you remember kind of like teams in the past, maybe like Alabama kind of had two kickers where they had a, a long guy and a short guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you might be able – I think you – I mean, I don't know if they would do it. It might be a question, you know, for the coaches in training camp. But maybe you could see Jude, Jude kick, kick the long field goals and Jay kick the shorter field goals. Um, I know I know one of the scrimmages, Jude kind of struggled, but then all of a sudden he like blasted like a really long 55-yard plus field goal. <laughs> um, but so – I mean, maybe maybe they'll have that kind of situation, but um, yeah, I just want to just want to throw that in the in the universe on the on, on the pod real quick. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I could see them trying different things if if, uh, if the kicking game's not working. Um, but I thought the one of the more interesting things in the spring in the post game presser that Chiano brought up, and it was one of the first things he talked about, was how you know they have some recruiting to do and they have some transfer portal work to do, which. I mean, if he's saying that literally in the the opening comments of the spring game presser, that means things are not looking good, in my opinion. Um, and I, yeah. you know, I'm not somebody who's at practice every day, but Shiano does not say things. Uh, he's very careful with his words. And if he's saying that coming right out of the spring game, and he was talking about receiver and offensive line, uh, that, you know, that means that they probably are pretty serious about it. Uh, Richie, what are you hearing about? you know, what they're going to target immediately following the spring in terms of transfer portal. Uh, yeah. Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, um, <laughs> wide receiver. Uh, no, they need a receiver really bad. Like it's clear as day. They don't have any guys with experience. Number one, you can argue Brantley, but he's coming off a broken foot. Like how much can you really expect the guy to do? Yep. Um, and he's coming, he's not like, He's coming from like a, a big level school. He's coming from, what was it? Western Illinois? Western Illinois. Yeah. The other November. Like that's uh I think that's actually Jerry Kill's former uh stomping grounds. But uh mm-hmm. no, he was northern Illinois. Was he northern Illinois? Oh no, he yeah. was the no, he was southern Illinois. He was the Slukes or whatever they are. Uh no, he was northern Illinois head coach. Uh, oh, no, he was Southern Illinois co- head coach and then okay. he went to Northern Illinois. So we're oh, both, so right. both. <laughs> But it wasn't Western Illinois, it wasn't a direct it was not Western Illinois. Eastern? Did you go to Eastern? No, he was not he was not <laughs> in Tony Romo's. Uh Romo's only Southern <laughs> and Northern. Anyway, <laughs> they need a receiver bad. Like, I think your slot's pretty fine. I think Rochelle or Dremel will step up. I think Dremel obviously did step up. I think Rochelle is going to be solid there. Um, it, it's your – the other two receiver spots, they're just – they're vacant. Like, maybe Brantley could be good. I don't think he's a bad wide receiver. I don't think he's a wide receiver one. 
don't think he's a wide receiver one on any Big Ten team, if we want to be honest. I don't think he's a wide receiver two on most Big Ten teams. He'd be a great wide receiver three, but you, you get what you get at this point. So I think you go out, you just push for a wide receiver one, you try to sell him, hey, you're going to get every fucking throw. <laughs> like, there's, there, we have no one else. Like, you're the guy. Like, you want to be the guy, you could be the guy at a Big Ten level school. You want to prove you're the best against the best comp. All right, you got about three seconds to break out of your route and get open because that <laughs> offensive line needs help too. Um, yep. And I think you need a lineman. Now, I keep hearing they want to tackle, but I'm like, you need a guard too, <laughs> like badly. I don't think Jafani's the answer there. Is he a solid player for his stature? Yeah, I think he's okay. But I think he was also supposed to come in as a center, and now you're like, all right, shit, we need a guard, so you go play guard. Um, so I, I don't think like – I think they need help. They need, they need to get bigger in, in the guard spots too. Yeah, Dunlap's huge, but he's he's never like fully healthy again. I don't think he'll ever be fully healthy at that weight with a Achilles injury. I think that's the toughest thing ever to recover from. Uh, is he solid? I'm fine with that. The left side's okay between him and Pierce. I think Ireland Brown's pretty good. I think Gus Swinskis is pretty solid behind him. I'd argue Trefani should probably be pushing that center spot, but you have him at right guard, like I said. I think he's meh. I don't think he's great. I think he's a, a solid player. And then your tackles need him, who, what, has like seven games under his belt total? Like, and he's not even like tall. Like, Greg wants these tall, massive dudes on at the tackle mm-hmm. spots. And I think he's 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, like, I'm not saying you have to be 6'7, but I mean, it definitely, it's a big switch up from Holland Pierce, who was your right tackle last year. But I think those are the two, two major needs. You probably need a tight end, too, if you want my honest opinion, but I don't think they're going to do it. And, um, Again, like I know they landed a bunch of DBs, but that DB room isn't as as deep as people think it, it looks like, especially at the safety spot. So I, I don't think they would be opposed to adding a safety if they could. So. Yeah, no, that all makes sense. Um, and obviously, normally the the spring game you would have a ton of visitors. Um, what did you hear about how uh, how the visits went? Was there a big group there? I, I'm sure that the weather deterred a lot of kids. Yeah, so um, they actually hosted a Michigan State commit, uh, Ja'Kai Howard, I think it was. I got to double check that. But um, yeah, Alex is going to have something that like, by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be out. Um, a bunch of reactions from kids. It actually went pretty good. There's a couple guys scheduled official visits based off of it in Jalen Hornsby and uh, Willie Love, two South Jersey kids. I like their chances for Love. I don't like their chances for Hornsby at the moment. Um there's also I'm trying to think who else was on campus. Oh, Caden Brown was on campus again. I got to talk to him. Um, we'll go back. We'll go in depth later on that because uh, he was at the camp that I was at on Sunday. But he was there. AJ Serace was there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, overall, it sounded like a pretty good vibe um, from the recruits. But nothing, nothing imminent, nothing crazy. Obviously, Monty Keener committed, but there's other than that, it's he wasn't there, so it doesn't really coincide, I guess. Yeah, so he visited recently, though. So he, it looks like he was on campus on uh, April 22nd, and then he went home and I guess thought it over and decided to commit to Rutgers. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you want to just go in depth a little bit with Monty? Yeah. Yep. All right, so, yeah, he's unranked currently. He'll be a three-star. Um, we've submitted it. Uh, we're just kind of waiting for it to get put on his profile. Uh, I think he's he's pretty athletic for his size. He's like a legit 6'6", 6'7", 215 pounds, so clearly – thin the really thin for that height um he needs to pack on some pounds he is thin but i think he's actually a decent blocker um solid route runner he doesn't do anything crazy uh his numbers weren't crazy either i think it was only like 380 yards but it's a tight end so it's like yeah whatever 
Um, he's not going to early enroll. We know that he, like, I, I think it's a decent commit. I don't think it's all, like that bad. I think he's in the lower half of the, uh, the Michigan prospects. I think he's ranked around like, uh, I don't know how far our Michigan actually database goes, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's an okay get considering you're going to take two tight ends in this class. I think he's, I think he's pretty solid. I think he's, like I said, he's athletic. Um, and you're going to the Michigan again, like, which is interesting. You're just going to keep hitting these Midwest schools, which they kind of haven't really done in depth on a, since they joined the big 10, you'll have a kid here or there, but now that's like Michigan, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, there's someone else I feel like I'm missing. Iowa. <laughs> well, we no. get a lot of kids from Ohio. Um, yeah, they're definitely expanding out, um, into big 10 country like they haven't before. Um, you know, back in the day we landed like Tyler Uyghurs as the quarterback mm-hmm. commit, but we don't typically go out to the Michigan's very often. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting that they're actually going to do this more and more. Um, there's an Illinois tight end that they're also after and Julian Johnson, um, she had to pop up the list. Like there's too many names to remember, but yeah, no, it's, I, it's a solid get. Like I'm not, I'm not going to complain about the, that part of recruiting. I'll complain about the rest of recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of recruiting, uh, you were at the Under Armour camp yesterday, which uh, yes. another just you just you were a masochist this weekend, just standing out in the cold and the rain uh, <laughs> watching football. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about what you saw at the Under Armour camp. I know that there's some a lot of Rutgers targets and commits there. Tell us about uh, overall what you saw. Yeah. So uh, first things first, AJ Serace, I got to see him in person for the first time in a while and uh, he looked the part. I was I was a big fan. Um Throws a nice ball, throw, throws a pretty hard ball. Um, he, he was accurate. He was accurate on the run. I, I, I like him, and I, I think he's actually stockier than you think. And um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he played early, to be honest. Um, I thought he was a really good player at the, at the camp. He, it, it's tough to judge these guys because he was hitting dudes in the hands, but at the same time, like, it's downpouring, like, monsoon mm-hmm. weather. And it's just like, yeah. all right, well, shit. So you're going to see um, – a tape I'm going to put out later of all his throws. I sat there and in the rain, pouring rain, um, ruined my laptop a little bit, but we'll figure, we'll figure that one out. There's, there's always a bounce back, but, uh, yeah, no, I got a, I got a ton of clips of him. Um, I thought he looked really good. I was super impressed and he was, he was throwing the ball to Corey Duff, who was also there. Um, Corey looked really good. still think he's a tight end and when it's all said and done, but I think, uh, after talking to him a little bit, he was at the spring game actually too. But after talking to him, it sounds like uh, it's definitely Rutgers, UNC at the top. I'd say Miami's right there, if not second place. Um, I know previously I had UNC and Miami at the top, but I think it's UNC Rutgers at the moment. Uh, we, we were talking just about his visit. He's he's very close with uh, Ian Strong, and the fact that Ian Strong's at Rutgers is definitely going to help them there. Uh, Florida State's also making a push, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then the South Carolina quarterback commit and Dante Reno was there. He was probably the best quarterback of the group. He started recruiting Corey Duff, like literally in front of me. And I'm just like, you guys are like, all right, this is what <laughs> you're doing now. Um, so that was kind of cool. It was cool to see and just listen. And, uh, but yeah, um, like I was in the middle of just talking to Corey and he's like, you do an interview. And I'm like, yeah, why, why Dante? And he's like, tell him to go to South Carolina. I'm like, oh I'm like okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not how um, this works. Yeah, it was just, it was funny. But uh, other other things, Caden Brown won one of the uh, multiple D, D-line MVPs. I thought, he, I thought he was solid. I didn't think he was, like, phenomenal, but I thought he was a solid solid player that, in the camp. He's just quick off the edge. Um, he needs to learn a couple more moves. 
because his his go-to move is just speed, 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 which is fine. It's kind of like a Kenny Fletcher type um, type of role um, where he just needs to learn a little more technique and kind of play with his hands a little more and figure out um, how to get around people. But uh, I'm trying to think who else. In fact, there's someone else I'm missing. I think that's about it in terms of Rutgers targets. I can think of. What about overall top performers from the camp? You mentioned Dante Reno already, but who are some Dante of the other Reno standouts? Dante Reno is great. Um, Jacob Smith is going to cause havoc for Rutgers and other Big Ten teams. He's committed to uh, – or Jared Smith, I'm sorry. Um, Jared Smith is committed to Michigan. Jacob Smith is probably going to follow him to Michigan. They were both great on the edge. They both won Are they D-line. related or just – Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah, okay. They both won D-line MVP, and they, they play with Dante Reno. So it's like that whole Cheshire Academy is like stacked. Like – um so yeah those those two are going to be like studs um in terms of there there was one quarterback i actually wanted to single sing, single out jesus uh frankie williams from red bank catholic the kid throws the ball so effortlessly and if you look at the one clip i put on i think it was on my twitter already one of the uh like 100 clips i already tweeted out he just he throws such a beautiful ball and he just like literally just flicks it off the wrist like it is just really nice he's a 2025 he's only got one offer from maryland so far he's a little shorter he's probably around like my height which is like six foot if you if you're a girl if you're a girl talking to me i'm telling you i'm six foot if you're not a girl <laughs> uh five five eleven is probably about right um, but yeah so uh yeah and he he looked really good i was very impressed by him um He's taken a couple Big Ten visits. He's been to Maryland. He's been to Penn State. He's been to, He's also been to Pitt. Obviously, I know not Big Ten before you yell at me. Um, <laughs> but he's been to all the local schools, and I'm like, dude, Rutgers has to get in on this kid. I'm like, this kid is good. Um, he's one to keep an eye on. I said, I said Corey Duff already. Luke Reynolds, who's a Penn State commit, looked really fucking good. He had his gloves on, and I, I don't want to hype him up too much, but he like took him off. He's like, dude, fuck these things, and just took him off. And then he just started using his hands even better. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, there's some other big name guys there, but n- nothing like, um, no one Rutgers related really. Um, there's some younger linemen there. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Adam Shovlin. I forgot about him. 2025 kid who's been to Rutgers like four or five times already. He was playing interior defensive line and he, dude, he's, he's really fucking good. And he, he was raving about, um, Marquise Watson and his relationship there. And if they can land him, that would be a huge, huge get for the 2025 class. I know he's only, uh, I think, a 5.63 star. That kid's got four-star potential written all over him. Like, he's he's just dominant. Um, I'm trying to think. There's one other name I was thinking of. Oh, uh, Richie James Jr. down at Camden. I think they're fools for not going after him. I know he's, he's smaller. He's not the typical height like that Rutgers wants. I know he says he's like 6'1". Uh, that's bullshit. No offense, but... <laughs> Um, he's probably more like that, that five eleven six foot range, uh, depending on who you're talking to. Um, yeah. So I, I, and he's committed to West Virginia, but I think that's a kid you have to go after. Like you have to go after him quickly because he looked every bit of the, of the part of a defensive tackle, little smaller, but he's a quick twitchy pass rusher in the interior. And that's, that's a guy you, you need, especially in state. Can he play the cock nose? <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's there. There's your comparison. Joy's turn. Um, not as thick, but he's quick and twitchy, man. Like I, I was. There's so many young linemen there, and I was just like, "What the fuck is this guy?" And they're like 2027. 20, I was like, "Jesus! All right, never mind. Like I, I'll figure that one out down the line." 
<laughs> but yeah, there's some young guys. It was it was a good camp. It was honestly probably the best camp I've I've seen in Jersey in quite some time. Interesting. Uh, well, a lot of names there for Rutgers fans to keep an eye on over the years, um, especially that quarterback uh, for the class of 2025. Yeah. A few other football-related things I wanted to touch on. Obviously, the NFL draft was this past weekend. Rutgers had one player drafted in Christian Braswell in the sixth round by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and we had, I want to say, like four or five guys end up going to different teams as undrafted free agents. Does anyone have that list open in front of them so we can just kind of run down who they ended up where? Chris, all right, you take it, Chris. All you, buddy. So, obviously, Christian Braswell got drafted. Uh, he was the only one that got drafted sixth round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he, I mean, I'll talk about him real quick. He had he had a great season. He was probably uh, Rutgers' best cornerback last season. Um, he graded out extremely well on pro football focus, and I would talk about that on the pod a lot. Um, he was one of the top in the country. He was 86.6, I want to say, something something like that, 83.6, something like that. Um, he was one of the Big Ten's top top cornerbacks on PFF. Um, he had a couple picks. Uh, you know, he he wasn't like the starter per se to start out the year, but he kind of worked worked his way, you know, to get more more playing time as the season went along. And, and uh, you know, he did, he did really well. So, I mean, I was glad to see him drafted. Um, I had a feeling he he get drafted. Um, he didn't have the best, um, you know, forty time, which maybe which I wasn't sure about. Um, but actually, we'll talk about that uh, for somebody else. So speaking about the signings um, on Sunday, we'll start we'll start up with Sunday, then then we'll go back to Saturday. Uh, Rutgers walk on cornerback Keenan Keenan Reed got a mini camp tryout with the with the Jets. Um, you know, he obviously didn't really play at Rutgers, if at all. I didn't really check on that. Uh, but he ran like a 4-3-40 at, at Pro Day, so I'm sure that helped him uh, there. And uh, in terms of the other guys who signed after the draft, um, we have Aaron Cruikshank to the Bears, Christian Izian to the Tampa Bay Bucks, Efine Major to the Seattle Seahawks, Sean Ryan to the Baltimore Ravens, and Avery Young to the 49ers. Uh, I think I saw Christian Izzian had a couple a couple options uh, specifically, uh, but chose the Bucks to try and get him, you know, I guess a better shot at making the roster. So um, I, I think Izzian's going to be a baller. I mean, I know he kind of was held back by his height, but um, I think I think he's going to be a baller. He's he's the ball muscle. Um, he's always around the ball. I think he's going to do really well. Um, Sean Sean Ryan's a taller receiver. That um, obviously you know the Ravens. Uh, they draft a receiver and they need receiver help for their new long-term contract, uh, Lamar Jackson. So, uh, I mean, who knows if he'll, if he'll stick, but he's a bigger target there. Um, you know, Cookshank, I think he lost his step since his injury, but maybe another year past his injury, you know, he'll, he'll be able to get that step back. And, um, he's obviously a good, a good return guy. He's been, he, he's improved as a receiver since he came to Rutgers, um, so yeah, that's that's the rundown as far as I know so far. Um, I guess the one, the two two big guys that I think maybe had a shot to get picked up somewhere were uh, offensive lineman JD Dorenzo. I thought he was sleep sleep pick to get picked up somewhere. Um, you know, he beat out a lot of number, a lot of guys' numbers. You know, from the combine, um, maybe the extra year in the Big Ten coming over from Sacred Heart would would have helped him, but um, he was only at Rutgers for a year. Um, but I think I think he's good. He's he's a good player. He's he was Rutgers' best lineman last year. Um, so um, and then obviously you know Adam Adam Corsack, You know he didn't he didn't get picked up anywhere. And uh, three three punters did get drafted. One of them from Wingate. I don't even know where that is. I never heard of it. 
<laughs> it's the D two school apparently. Okay, my wife. I was I was watching the draft in the spring game upstairs, and my wife was like, "What the hell is Wingate?" So, I don't, <laughs> so I, don't, I don't even know. So, uh, yeah. So those those are the guys who got drafted, or you know, for you know, for basketball, and the guys who got picked up so far. Yeah, um, I was a bit surprised that uh, that Corsac didn't get picked up almost immediately after the draft. I think his unorthodox style scared a lot of teams off. Uh, I heard that he's got one mini camp invite to the Chiefs right now, um, so I, I do end up think I think he'll play professionally somewhere next year, whether it be the XFL, whether it be Canada, whether that be you know some other upstart league. He's gonna you know the USFL. He's gonna play somewhere, um, and I think he just needs to prove that he can do the things that a conventional punter can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but till then, I think it's teams just you know especially on special teams like they don't like to fuck around. They don't like to you know, go with a style they're not comfortable with. Most of these guys in the NFL just want you to just, you know, you know, yeet it down the field, not necessarily like trying yeah. like, you know, use a scalpel with punting. They just want you to use the, the sledgehammer, which uh, he's not really, it's not his style. Yeah. They probably don't um, trust that rugby style because the second you see, you know, the second you take off a little bit, you're just going to get drilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, the NFL should, I think the NFL should, I don't know. I think the NFL should, should really kind of, look at that more closely or at least get a punter that could really coffin corner as, as they, as they call it. I mean, like it's like they do who won the, the Ray guy war a couple years ago from uh, San Diego state. Like he wasn't really a good punter. All he could do was no. kick the ball. I think Adam Korsak was a punter. Like he could, he could, I mean, we've seen him for, you know, five years or whatever it was. He could kick the ball. He can, he can kick the ball far. Maybe it, it's not, not in the air far, but, It'll it'll roll perfectly down to like three yard line. Like I've seen, I've no I've seen nobody else do something what he could do. He could the ball could stop at the five yard line and die at the one. Like I mean, I think the NFL should really kind of you know change change up their ways. I mean, I I I know the NFL maybe doesn't really kind of you know think special teams is that much of a big deal in terms of you know offense defense, but um, I I think Adam Corsett could have really kind of change the game a little bit on special teams and punting. But um, I guess, you know, he didn't get that chance right now. Um, you know, I, I know Mike was talking about the USFL. Um, he was actually drafted by the USFL. Um, I, right, I mean, he didn't General, play. Yeah. Um, he's been at practice and everything, you know, during the spring. Um, but technically he was drafted. I forgot to ask him about that at Pro Day, um, how that was all going to work. But um, technically he was drafted for that. Yeah, I know Shiano always likes to – you know, compare his game to like a golfer. And it seems like a lot of NFL punters have one club in the bag and it's the driver. Whereas <laughs> Corsac has an entire bag full of clubs and he can use them uh, when he sees fit. Uh, but yeah, maybe you'll see him get picked up. I hope so because he's, you know, one of the best players to ever play at Rutgers. Um, one other interesting note from the football side of things. Uh, we've talked about the whole Nike Adidas battle that's looming for Rutgers athletics think maybe a, a hand was tipped a little bit this weekend Ooh. um <laughs> max melton in his locker he posted on instagram he had nike cleats uh that were in there and they were all you know very bright red so i i maybe he bought them on his own but are you hearing anything uh regarding the uh the apparel deals coming up richie yes so i'm trying to pull that up currently so yeah he had nike cleats in his locker i asked around about it everyone's like yeah he just he likes working out nikes once in a while like that's that's his call like when he's with the team he has to wear adidas that's that's how it works now did you tip your hand a little bit i think so but that's just my opinion 
Um, so here's here's the latest. Um, put it in the group chat the other day. So Adidas is putting together an offer to try to retain Rutgers. We all know like Adidas this, Adidas that. Like it's all everything's Adidas currently. All day I dream about sports. Yeah, that is right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a hell of an acronym. Um, <laughs> what do you call it? So yeah, it sounds like they're gonna they're gonna put an offer up to Hobbs. Usually this is stuff's done by now because like last time it happened, it was February we found out about the deal before it expired in June. So they're um, they're putting together a deal right now, but the general feeling is right now is if even if they put up a really good offer, Hobbs is gonna ask Nike to at least match or beat it. Um. It does sound like Pikes, the driving force behind this in the basketball program, because if you think about it, um, the whole pitch is going to be, it's only going to be like, what, three to five year deal. The whole pitch is going to be in year yeah. two, you're going to have Ace Bailey and pos- possibly Dylan Harper on the national stage, yeah. like wearing Nike or Adidas. And like, that's what's the, it's going to showcase the most. Um, even if Adidas offer is a little bit higher than Nike's, it does sound like they're going to have to take it to the next level. They want either Adidas is going to have to take it to a higher level or they're just going to go with Nike if it's a really close deal. So that's what it sounds like at the moment. It sounds like everyone kind of prefers Nike, whether it be football or basketball. Um, I know wrestling, like wrestling shoes, they, they prefer Nike as well. Um, you guys can talk about all the the tech you want on the message boards, but like at the end of the day, it's what the kids prefer. And the kids right now prefer Nike. Like, you could say it's because of how much they promote it better or whatever, but a lot of kids I talk to in terms of basketball alone prefer Nike stuff. Football, Nike. Wrestling, Nike. Like I hate to say mm-hmm. it. I like Adidas like clothing. I think their apparel's really comfortable. I think the Ultra Boosts are fucking awesome. Um, but at the same time, like if, if I'm playing basketball I'm wearing Nikes. Like that's that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. They got their own movie. Starring Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's true too. I want to. I want to highlight something that Geo Baker on the board said. Um, just for the people who think this doesn't matter and that we're overblowing this. Geo Baker, direct quote: "I was in the rare minority who didn't care about the apparel brand. We definitely lost recruits over not being Nike. It matters." Next post: Nikes are ten times more comfortable, even for me. Someone who claims not to care. If you look back at my career, there was about three different models of shoes I wore in five years. It's more than status. Additionally, he said, uh, LOL. Somebody's told him he was wrong again. And he said, tell that to the recruits who didn't join my teams at Rutgers. LOL. <laughs> if you did a survey on to college basketball players, Nike or Adidas, Nike comfortably wins. This is from, you know, one of the best players at Rutgers of all time. This is a guy who would know. He's friends with everybody. We lost players due to not being Nike school, and we're going to continue to be at a competitive disadvantage if we're playing with Adidas gear. That's just my opinion, but I think it's backed up by a pretty good amount of uh, anecdotal information. So, yeah, yeah. So Nike checks over stripes. Checks <laughs> over stripes. Basketball over football. Uh, this is a good uh, time to pivot to basketball because uh, while we did talk, you know, the first 35 minutes of this podcast about football, there was a lot of basketball stuff that happened as well. Um, we had previously, you know, talked about uh, Bain Nadongo having, you know, some second thoughts about coming to Rutgers. Sounded like his handlers were kind of taking the reins here of his uh, recruitment. He officially decommitted. Um, Richie, what are you hearing regarding Bay Dango's recruitment now? 
Carl Hobbs, Georgia Tech, Carl Hobbs, Georgia Tech. Like that's Hobbs recruited maybe one dude to Rutgers ever, and his name's Bay Nadongo. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to hate on Hobbs, but like it's he's going to take his guy with him. So it makes sense. That's fine. Um, I'm sure some others are going to reach out. We know Georgetown reached out not too long ago. Maybe they try to get back in the fold, but uh, it does sound like Georgia Tech has a significant lead there. Dongo and his and his uh, guardian are both very close with Carl, so it makes sense for him just to probably take a visit, and that will probably be it. And I expect him to go to Georgia Tech. I already submitted the future cast for it. Um it is what it is. Like you, you couldn't keep them. On to the next one. Um, not really much else to say for Benedongo. And who could that next one be? I know we had previously talked about uh, Mackenzie and Baco. Uh, the reporting there was good. I think Rutgers being involved did not necessarily mean that Rutgers was the favorite, that Rutgers was I in mean. the top group. It was just that Rutgers was involved in the recruitment. We checked that with multiple sources, including yep. people very, very close to Mackenzie Mbako. He took a visit to St. John's this past weekend. It sounds like he's got a visit for uh, going to Kansas lined up. He's got a visit to mm-hmm. Indiana lined up. And he's got a visit to Louisville lined up. Now, that's only four visits. Is mm-hmm. Do you see him making more than four visits? Or you think – I, I, I know this is, this is a very low information type recruitment, mm-hmm. so – what are you hearing regarding Mackenzie Mbako, and where do you think his recruitment takes a turn to? So, number one, he's he's also exploring the pro route, so he's going to look into Overtime Elite and the G League Ignite. I don't know how that works in terms of visits. Like, do you, it's not an official visit technically. I don't know. Like, can you can you take an official visit to those things? Like, or do you just show up and it's like here? Like, you can have food for today, but you can't tell the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know how that works, but he's definitely exploring the pro route as well. Um, so he's not deciding until June. That, that's like we I think Travis Graff had that before anybody, and we posted it on our board right away. Um, so he's going to decide after after all this stuff. He's going to graduate June 3rd, I believe it is. He's going to make a decision after that, and that's from a very, very, very close source to him. Um, you can't really get much closer than this source. But uh, – it's I don't know. I mean that's a lot that's a lot a long time. Like that's over a month. And he's already taken one of those visits. He's probably gonna take three others that we know of. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw him on campus just once. Maybe they're they're gonna try to make it discreet, I would assume. They're not gonna like publicize it, but Mabako's posting all this stuff on social media now. So now it's like, all right, well, there you go. Everything's just kind of public. I don't think Rutgers ends up landing him. I think Rutgers was is is still pushing for him. Shouldn't say I think. I, I know Rutgers is still going to push for him. They're trying to get him on campus, but I don't think there's any guarantee he'll be there. But I think they're going to push extremely hard to get him there, just to kind of show him what could be. Um, he hasn't been to Rutgers, I think, since 2021, I believe, in that Clemson game. So a couple things have changed a little bit since then. Well, in a recruiting, um, in a recruiting aspect, he hasn't. But he yeah. has been on campus as yes. recently as March for a, an actual basketball game that he played in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 a little different when you you play at on campus versus taking a visit. You get the whole yes, it is different. Yards. But I just wanted to uh, clarify for the people who'd be like, "What are you talking about? I just played a game here." That's not <laughs> like, that's not how it works. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. Every, everyone's going to complain about that. But yeah, no, I I think there's a chance he still gets to campus. There's a lot a lot of time. There's still what four weekends left until no warning that choose one two three yeah four weekends left until. Uh, June 3rd, that's when he, or June 2nd, whenever he graduates. And then uh, 
technically there's no saying he's going to decide immediately after we just know it's going to be post-graduation decision. So. So I did want to bring up one, you, you had heard that he, that Rutgers might be in a sneaky good position. Um, and as a New Jersey, as an in-state school, Rutgers has certain advantages um, in terms of getting kids eligible to uh, play for, you know, Rutgers mm-hmm. if they're an in-state kid. Now, if there are any academic issues here, which I'm speculating, could that possibly be why Rutgers is in a sneaky good position that they can get him into school easier than the other schools? Look at Tosh Harris, man. How do you know? He didn't qualify for Kentucky, but he got to Rutgers? Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to tell me how? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, the, it sounds like there's some kind of academic advantage where if you're in state and you have a, like, I don't even know how it works. I'm not even going to speculate actually. It's just, there's an easier way to, for an in-state kid to get into an in-state school or an in-state college versus, uh, in-state university, sorry, whatever Vers- versus, um, going out of state. So now there, there was a, there's a rumor from someone, uh, someone I know that the, the Filipowski thing's just kind of a little bit of a cover up. Like, yeah, like it obviously played a role. Because that's a big chunk of your starting playing time. Did somebody say cover up? <laughs> oh, the Reynolds is back. The, the yeah, our, our sponsor Reynolds Wrap would like to uh, stop by and say uh, this podcast is brought to you by Reynolds Wrap, the world's number one aluminum foil brand, uh, the official aluminum foil brand of Rutgers Athletics. Anyway, what were you saying, Richie? Um, I don't. I don't even remember now. <laughs> um, yeah. So apparently, there's there's a little rumor out there that. Um, he didn't he didn't qualify for duke and that's that's playing a factor as well how much of that is truth that's why i said the word rumor because if i didn't that would be irresponsible journalism but i said rumor <laughs> um it's uh yeah so i mean we'll we'll see what happens there so it'd be interesting i, I know slick rick isn't gonna let some fucking academic thing hold him back so he, he'll find a way to get oh. labaco in there um labaco and his his two new personal um Trainers, we'll go with. <laughs> uh, yeah, me, that guy, that guy's interesting. But now I think most of those schools, it sounds like, are NIL schools too. Like you go St. John's, Louisville. Um, who's the other one? There's a third one. Oh, Kansas, who just is paying everyone, it seems like. Indiana too. Uh, Indiana, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of NIL being involved here, it sounds like um, Rutgers NIL is kind of tied up a little bit elsewhere. So, like I said, I don't know if they'll get them on campus. They might. But it sounds like they might have an academic advantage as well. So maybe he, maybe he commits to uh, Indiana and they're like, oh, we can't get him in. Rutgers could do. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll see. Okay, so stay tuned because I'm sure more will be developing. Um, but will he take a visit to Rutgers or not? To be seen. Yeah. Um, but in terms of recruiting, there were two new transfer portal names that have uh, cropped up over the past week. Uh, that Rutgers is showing interest in. Let's start with the Florida State big man Naheem McLeod. He is a massive, massive player. I think he's seven foot four. Yeah. He's originally from the Philly area. He's got two years of eligibility left. What are you hearing around Naheem McLeod? So Kansas is getting involved. Uh, who else did I say before? Someone else. Um, well, I got to pop it back up. I have everything written down in like a spreadsheet. So if you ever hack my Google account, like you could, you, you get all the info before everyone. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Naheem McLeod, he got, Kansas is recently involved. They're kind of showing interest. They're going to try to get him on campus. Um, I think Gonzaga was showing interest. I, I don't see Rutgers being a factor here, to be honest, just because this kid's going to start wherever he goes, it sounds like. 
and Rutgers kind of doesn't have a starting role for him at the moment. I still think Cliff comes back. He's not going to Europe. Just flat out say that. Like, it's just not happening. Um, yeah, I think the direct quote you got was, uh, Cliff would laugh at that idea. He'd laugh in your face if you even suggested it. Um, Miami's pushing McLeod, too. There, there, he's got – I don't even know what the list is. Villanova is pushing McLeod. Former LaSalle head coach Ashley Howard – who's rumored to be going to Villanova is very, very close with him. So that's another rumor right there. Um, there's so many programs after him. Like I, I don't see Rutgers being a factor here from McLeod. And it's crazy just because I feel like people are kind of just basing it off his height of like what his potential could be. Don't get me wrong. He's a good high school recruit. So he has potential, but he averaged 3.8 and 2.7. Like it's not like record breaking numbers. And now he's hearing from every high major possible. Like this is just the way the portal works at this point. If you're a big man and you average decent numbers or not even average numbers, below average numbers, you're going to go higher up. You're going to transfer up. If you're an offensive lineman in the portal and you're average in the power five level and you're average at the G five level, you're going up a level. Like that's just how it works now. It's, it's weird. These guys just look at it like I can, I can fix them. Yeah. I, let me go. Let me go fix the seven foot four guy that had one block per game. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, yeah, uh, and this it, is also a kid who played 13 minutes a game on a 9-23 Florida State team this past year yeah. in a weak ACC conference. But he's got every high major after him. It makes no sense. <laughs> like, There's just a scarcity. Like, there's, you know, yeah. there's not many guys who, I mean, when you, when you, you know, put in three years in a college program in a, you know, a weightlifting, uh, you know, you, you you have your you have a college ready body at this point. You yeah. have a college ready game, maybe not, but a lot of coaches who you know, a lot of these coaches have are not everyone has the job security of Steve Peichel. Let's just put it that way. You have yeah. to get guys who you feel you can rely on because a lot of these guys might only feel like they have one or two years to to kind of prove that they are you know a high level D one coach. So you kind of need to take some risks like a guy with Neem McLeod. I could change him. I could, I could make him better. He has everything he needs to be successful. I've, you know, turned player X into a good player that reminds me of him. So that's why I want to add him. Uh, how many seven, four, four guys you got walking around, but I was going to say, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Purdue isn't in on him, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Edie can come back, right? Technically. Yeah. 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 So, so you could have seven foot Edie and seven foot four McLeod. Be a hell of a fucking backup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other transfer portal guy, uh, and his name is like oh the creative player from uh, those college football games back in the day, <laughs> where you just have like this totally off the wall name. His name's Weza Panzo. Uh, yeah. He's currently a, or he's in the transfer portal, but he previously had spent four years at Stetson University. If, it, if that school sounds familiar, it's because uh, former Rutgers basketball player. Jonathan Mitchell is an assistant coach there, but this is a kid who averaged 8.6 points this past season, but he's primarily a sharpshooter. So he averaged six and a half field goal attempts a game and five and a half of those field goal attempts were three pointers. (laughs) So he shot uh, 47% from three on an average of five per game. So this is a guy who, you know, he's deadly from beyond the arc. What are you hearing around uh, Wiesa Panzo? Yeah, so I was talking to someone about him yesterday. Um, they're not sure if he'll be able to contribute that way at this level, but I mean, three point shooting is three point shooting. Um, if yep. you can hit at that rate, I mean, he's shooting twenty something percent from two, which is wild, and then he shoots <laughs> fucking forty seven from three. Like, I don't know what this guy's doing, but just, dude, don't attack the rim anymore. Just <laughs> yep. 
just constantly spot up or something. But um, I, it sounds like Rutgers could have him if they really want him. I know Penn State's also showing interest. So it's not like unheard of for a high major to go after this kid. But um, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Mitchell being there definitely helps. He's, he's still a big Rutgers guy, even though he's at Stetson right now. Um, three point percentage wise, I think that's actually the, that'd be the highest on the team. That's higher than Cam Spencer's who hit at 43%. Like that's, and the only other guy, he's the only guy on the team that hit over 40% for three. So mm-hmm. you had this, like you're playing modern basketball for a change. Like this is, this is fun Rutgers. It would be, it, that offense would be insane kind of, but you combine their percentages, you, you're shooting 90% from three. That's, I mean, that, way, I mean yeah. how, you, how, you, how you stopping that? It's an automatic win. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that, it would be interesting, especially because Mawat Mag is is the starter as soon as he comes back. He's not going to be back probably till December, from what I'm hearing. Um, fully back now. Well, he might be able to mm-hmm. sneak in a couple games in late November, but I don't think he'll be a full fledged starter until December, and that's that's the earliest. Um, so I mean, I I don't think it's a, a bad addition if you can get him. He's an Ontario native, um, same as our our favorite uh, Amarui. And uh, Eugene, he was also an Ontario native, kind of a similar height, but nowhere near the same uh, weight. I think Weez is a uh, skinnier, if I recall, if I read that correctly. Yeah, Weez is 210. Eugene was listed 245 at Rutgers. I'm going to call BS on that one. You can add probably 10, 15 pounds there. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think if you can land him, I think it's a solid piece. It's just a guy that can kind of fit for now. Defensively, I don't know how good he is because I didn't really watch his full tape, but Averaged almost a steal per game. That's not awful. Like that's kind of what most of these uh, portal targets are. And he doesn't turn the ball over, which is really nice. Only a uh, 0.4 turnovers per game, and he played all 31 games. Oh, he played. He played. Uh, yeah, all 31 games and started 30 of them for Stetson. Big leap in competition, but I don't think it's the worst addition. It's a depth piece. Don't like think like adding him is going to be like a full fledged like he's all Big Ten. Like this is just depth. This is what you need. We saw it last year with the injuries. You need depth at every position. So I don't think it's a bad addition if you can get him. No, I don't either. I, I think his game would translate nicely as a, you know, a seventh or eighth man, a guy who you, you throw in who can, you know, hit a three when you need it. He's a pretty good free throw shooter as well. He's a 77% free throw shooter in his career. He shot 79% last year. He shot 88% the year before that. Um, so this is the kind of kid who you don't, Hopefully you don't have to start him, but if you were to have him come off the bench and he was okay with playing that role because he started 44 games out of 120 in his career at Stetson, um, I'd be fine with this ad, but obviously not a priority one transfer portal guy. No, I think you throw him in there as like an Oscar Palmquist type role. Like if if we need him, we need him, but we're not going to play significant minutes. We're just going to give you a couple minutes, just prove you could be a shooter. And, and, and honestly, if he catches fire one game, it's like, all right, shit, here, here goes a 20-point performance. Like, it's not unheard mm-hmm. of. Like, So I don't think it's a bad addition whatsoever. Nope. Um, so the last basketball thing I have here is uh, the assistant coaching yes. uh, vacancy. Uh, there was, it sounds like, a little bit of clarity as to where the search is going or at least the search is beginning to wind down tell us mm-hmm. what you're hearing regarding the assistant the basketball assistant coaching hole that we're trying to fill yeah so i always say this but if you're not on the message boards you're, you're missing out you're gonna get this before the podcast before youtube before all that good stuff um 
Steve Peichel's down to three to four candidates. It's his top candidates. He's having them on campus for interviews. So if any of you are bored and you have nothing to do in the next like week, go stalk the rack, see what happens. See, mm-hmm. if see notice anyone. If, if you don't know who the coach is, take a picture, send it to me. I'll figure it out. Um, one of you, one of you nut jobs sent me a picture of Ed Cooley this week and said, is this, is he with a Rutgers target right now? No, it was not a Rutgers target. Like, <laughs> um, it was just a picture of a South Florida transfer that Cooley's after, but nothing to do with Rutgers. So don't worry about that. But I do appreciate the effort. The fact that he had to take a picture of Ed Cooley while he was eating dinner was pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, Pico wants to have his top three to four guys on campus for interviews very soon. Sounds like, um, like like we mentioned last week, it sounds like Mitchell's name is starting to trend a little bit higher. I don't know where he falls among that list or if he's even on that list technically, but I know he's he's being considered for at least a position on this staff, whether it be um, on the court, which which is one of those three main assistants, or maybe even off the court. It's, there's a lot of potential there for Mitchell to be a to be on this staff in some capacity next year, and I I think that would be a home run hire no matter where you put him. He's proven his track record, or has a proven track record at Stetson already. Mind you, it's Stetson, but he's also recruiting really well. Like, I'm hearing he's in it for several Power 5 transfers currently, and he just landed a Minnesota transfer at Stetson. Like, that's, that's pretty impressive. Like, like it's Stetson. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Hatters aren't, aren't the best program in the world, but he also helped them, um, I think it was this past season, their first winning season in, like, 25 years or some shit, and their, like, highest win totals in the last 30 years. Like, that's... I know it's not all him because he's not the head coach, but damn, like it's impressive. So, and then Rutgers alum, of course, and he he still loves Rutgers. Um, someone said they saw him at uh, EYBL, not this weekend, last weekend, talking to Pike. So, speculation on that person's part. Um, no, no photo sent from that Rutgers fan, but <laughs> I, I, I hey, like I said, if you guys want to send me like little scoops like that, you see shit, hey, send it to me. I'll, I'll figure it out. Hide in the bushes somewhere. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just watch out for Rutgers PD, man. They, their parking tickets are insane. Chris, Chris was asked for that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've uh, you've covered Rutgers or went to Rutgers and uh, didn't get a, a nice little present from the RUPD at one point or another. I definitely had some when I was on campus. Oh, dude, uh, they're a mess. Fun. When when Ash was yeah. here, it's funny. We we used to park in that like tennis court lot. And I thought it was perfectly fine. You know, uh, one day they're like, my my sister somehow, I don't know how this happened, but like I got tickets on my account and I'm like, I didn't even know because I, I graduated at that point. I'm like, I, I don't know. My sister was like, yeah, they're not giving my degree until you pay your parking tickets. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, what? We have the same last name, obviously, but like, I was like, well, how does that work? Like, number one, no, no, I'm not paying those. Number two, I'm sorry, you're shit out of luck. Like you're, you didn't graduate. That sucks. But, but no, and that's, could, and that's why she didn't walk. I had to go through the football department just to get those tickets like taken yep. away. And I'm like, Jesus, man, like you're gonna attack my family because of this? Yeah, that's, some, relentless. that's some fucking mafioso shit coming yeah, from the RPD. Yeah, not surprising, though. man. Like, it's no, not surprising. Insane. Like I don't get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's really it for the assistant coaching thing. Should be wrapped up soon. EYBL took to Phoenix this weekend. Um, I wanted to mention that real quick. Lathan Somerville, one of the top standouts. Um, I, got, I, I think I mentioned this before. I don't know if I mentioned it in the pod or not, but I told you guys, there's there's this one scout I know that's been scouting basketball for 25 years, and he's like, yeah, Lathan's not that good. And I'm like, all right, dude, whatever. He's like, I covered his dad. I was like, okay, that just tells me everything. Um, <laughs> but and then all of a sudden, like the very next week, Lathan's one of the top standouts at EYBL, and I'm like, all right, like, you going to give some headway here? No, no, no. I saw him in person. Okay. Well, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. So um, I still think Leighton's going to be really good. He's at 92 now. Um, I fully expect him to take a leap there. Delquan Warren took a leap up to 70s. He's probably going to leap up a little bit more. Dylan Harper and Ace are just who they are. They're studs. You're going to have a, such a top-heavy class. It's going to be insane. Like mm-hmm. this, this roster next year, you'll get a glimpse of what a legitimate offense looks like with Fernandes coming in. Jeez. Um <laughs> I can't I can't laugh not laugh and say his name. Um and you're gonna and maybe you get a like a Weeza Panzo. Uh, dude, I, I hope he comes to Rockers. I would love him. <laughs> Just for the name alone. Weeza Panzo and Fernandes, like ooh, <laughs> combined for 30 points. Um but yeah, no, I think uh this offense is gonna you're gonna get a small glimpse this year and then next year, that year with Ace and all them coming in. Holy shit, this is this is fun basketball. This is new age basketball. No more of this. I know play defense first, offense second. This is offense first now. Rutgers is going to score fucking points. It's going to be fun. Yeah, oh. I can't wait. Cannot anyway. wait. Um, we've gone through a lot of topics here, guys. We can go around the horn. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about, bring up, stuff we missed? Uh, I'll start with you, Chris. Yeah, so actually I thought about this earlier. Uh, shout out to – Rutgers women's basketball coach Coquise Washington for catching the punt at halftime in the spring game. Uh, you know, she, I saw her getting coached up a little bit by Kenny Britt, and uh, you know, she she caught the punt. And she had a little fun with that. And then uh, earlier in the week, they brought in a four-star transfer, Maya Pettigrew from um, I believe South Carolina. No, no, uh, Texas A&M. Uh, so, yeah. So I mean, they're on the rise there. Obviously, they have a lot of holes holes to fill. The roster. Uh, is nowhere near complete right now, but um, they did also bring in, uh, I'm sure you guys talked about it uh, a week or two ago, uh, Destiny Adams from North Carolina. Obviously, they're recruiting her brother uh, from uh, Mansquan now. I think he's um, a sophomore, going to be a junior. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, something to keep on there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Cookies Washington, you know, they're bringing in a couple of transfers. And, uh, yeah, they're restacking the roster. You know, I was – I was kind of impressed with them last year. I thought they really kind of overexceeded ex- any expectations anybody had. And, um, yeah, I think they're going to be a good program in the next couple of years uh, as they kind of get the roster back in the fold. They actually have a, a really good freshman last year also who made headway in the Big Ten. So um, I think they'll be just fine after, uh, after uh, everything that went down with that program. So, yeah. What about you, Craig? You know, tough loss yesterday for the Knicks, but you know, it's a it's a long series. Game one, you know, usually usually in the NBA, you know, things can it's a long series unless you're playing the Nets, but you know, that's kind of how things go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just got to bounce back. Got to get hopefully Julius Randle, you know, gets healthy and then you know come back for game two because they didn't play great yesterday, but they still kept it close. So I have a feeling this this thing could be a pretty pretty long series. I could see this thing going six or seven. Hopefully the uh, hopefully the Knicks, you know. Make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, something I don't think too many of us were predicting. Well, if Jimmy Butler keeps playing like Michael Jordan, I don't know if anyone's going to. Yeah, he got banged up yesterday. It looked like he rolled his ankle. ankle. Yeah, so maybe that's the the Knicks' uh, good luck streak, but we'll see. Richie, what about you? What did we miss? Got anything additional you Um, wanted to put out there? Just got an email that was kind of interesting from one of my my sources. 
insiders. Oh, um, it says, obviously, um, they, it looks like they kind of want a big man coach for the Rutgers assistant thing. So that would lead more towards Jonathan Mitchell's name. So that would be very interesting. Um, also got a portal update. It sounds like the portal's kind of picked over, which we kind of knew already, and they're kind of late to the game. Um, they definitely Football won. or basketball? Uh, both. Um, both, yeah, yeah. This, this was in regards to basketball, but um, they definitely want a four or five. But it sounds like um, they, they might get burnt a little bit in terms of portal guy. They could definitely find a serviceable person, uh, according to the source, but it, it's definitely going to be tough. And I think serviceable is probably the key word there. I don't think you're going to find a full-fledged starter. But, um, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on with the big man coach thing, which would be really nice. Um, yeah. Uh, also, in terms of draft stuff, I was looking at next year's draft. I think the only draftable person at the moment is Max Melton. Other than that, I don't I don't think Colin Pierce thieves. He's still a junior, technically. Um, yeah, I think I think it's really Max Melton. I think that would be your, your lone pick next year. Maybe you get a receiver that could be turning into a pick, but... Well, let me push back a little bit there. So there are draft-eligible players on the team. Oh, yes, of course. So in terms of draft-eligible guys, no. no, Aaron Lewis will definitely be a draft pick when he leaves. Wesley Bailey will probably be a draft pick. I think Tyreen Powell will probably be a draft pick when he leaves. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are, I think, the the three that are definites in my eyes. And I think there are other players, especially on the defense, who could turn into NFL prospects as well. But either they're young or they're a transfer portal guy. Yeah, I just don't know if anyone else is getting drafted. I could see like an Ahanatu or uh, Isaiah Aiton getting like one of those rookie mini camps or an undrafted free agent deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Deion Jennings even too. He's he's played mm-hmm. really well lately. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, I would probably say Max is probably the most drafted. Actually, Max is a junior too, right? Yeah, yeah Max has one more year of eligibility after next year um, if he wants it. Yeah, it's just when when you're at college, I know everyone's like, "Use why wouldn't you use the COVID year?" And it's like, dude, man, it's been at college forever. Like at this point, like you, you kind of get tired of it. Number yeah, one, the more older. the more like, you the more you play, the more tape they have on you, and that can be a you know as as you know you could improve, and that's a good thing, or you could stagnate or you know regress a little bit, and it's terrible for you, and that, yeah. they really hold that against you. That's true. Um, other than that, there was something else I wanted to mention. I can't remember what it was now, but. Uh, oh, scholarships. Uh, expect the portal news to come out either today or tomorrow. I know everyone's like, well, the portal's closed. Rich, how did that happen? Well, they submitted their paperwork already. They just have to mm-hmm. go through clearance and all that other BS shit. I don't understand why they can't just go right in, but I get it. Whatever. So I'm expecting right now I'm looking at the uh, scholarship chart. I know one name is definitely going in or, well, maybe not entering the portal. He won't be on scholarship this year, and that's – that's a, I'm pretty sure it's CJ Hansen who we haven't seen at all. I haven't seen him practice. He wasn't at the game. There's no show. I don't think he's injured, but could be a possibility, but I, I think he's probably gone. I think that's going to free up a ship. You're currently sitting at 86. I'd bring it down to 85. Obviously you need to clear some room because Greg hinted, you're getting portal dudes. So yep. attrition's coming somewhere. Now, where's that coming? I'm going to go back with the offensive line, considering there's one, two, three, uh, 20 something offensive line. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Yeah. I do have one thing we forgot to talk about. Um, probably the best feel good story at Rutgers in a bit. We forgot. Uh, Reggie that. Sutton actually got some oh, game yeah. time in the, the spring game. He played about 20 snaps. This is a guy who we haven't seen on the field since what week four? I think uh, I think against... it was week three of twenty twenty one. 
week yeah. three of 2021. Don't we work. all thought he basically was going to medically retire, but he's kept pushing through this. This is now almost two years after his injury, and he's on the field. And and Chiano in his presser talked about having Ryan Neal, who had a similar knee injury his first time around at Rutgers, and then post knee injury, he had two All Big Ten seasons or All Big East seasons. I'm sorry. And then he went on to be a long snapper in the NFL for a few years for the Bills. Mm-hmm. So there is some kind of precedent at Rutgers for, you know, guys who had really severe knee injuries coming back and, and having some success afterwards. But what it sounds like, Reggie's just a great guy and he's been working really hard and he's made a lot of sacrifices to get back on the field. And I don't think it's, you know, off the wall to say that if, if he's healthy, he's locked in as a starter along that line. Yeah. So that could be the other guard role we were talking about before. And then mm-hmm. I don't know what genius asked Craig about that question in the press conference, but sounds sounds like a smart <laughs> reporter. Really smart, yeah. very responsible reporter. On, very on, that, on, that, on that note, I will be uh I'm I'm actually gonna write about Sutton uh this week, so stay tuned for that. Um some of uh, some of the quotes are you know he was he was he was a great quote. We talked to him for mm-hmm. uh, a long a long time. Uh, one one snippet was how he'd go and do rehab, and like he knew he'd be in pain because they like stretch it, they move around, and he's screaming in pain. And he knows he's he did like twelve hour rehab days for like at least four months. Like it, it was it was insane. And then obviously, yeah. uh, he's worked his way back, and I was so excited to see him on the field. Um, so I know I know what he's been through. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome story. Can't re- wait to read it. But yeah, just uh, really happy to hear that he was able to make it back on the field because it would have been pretty devastating to go through over two years of rehab and not actually make it back onto the field. Um, and Richie, you've had two ACL tears, so you kind of know Cracking cap, somewhat ACL, of what he's going through. ACL, like, yeah. yeah. So I, but, I could see, the minute he said the rehab thing with pain, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you were on the bike? And he's like, the bike? Yeah, the bike. And it's <laughs> like, you're just supposed to go like this the whole time? And just until you can do a full circle. And once you do that full circle, it's just like a quick behind your knee. And it's just like, what the? Mm-hmm. Oh. Like it's, oh, oh and I, I'm not reliving those days. <laughs> Ever. Oh, God. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's rough. It's not fun. But. So again, uh, thank you guys for listening. This is a bit of a long episode. We had a lot of stuff we covered. Um, I, Imagine we'll be recording at some point this week. Don't necessarily know what we're going to talk about, but the good thing about this is that there's always something that presents itself, um, whether that be basketball news, football news, wrestling news. Something's going to come up that uh, will make it worthwhile. We didn't talk about that, but we'll ignore that. Yeah, one. Chris Cannon, the guy we alluded to, the Northwestern recruit or the Northwestern transfer guy, ended up at Michigan. Michigan made a late push um, after it seemed like they were out of the running. They, do it those uh, they all have a ton of they have a ton of nil money to spend and it sounds like shane griffith also might end up possibly going there which is a shame because it sounded like you wanted to get a little closer to home but mm-hmm. we'll see um but we should have some clarity on that probably in the next coming weeks but uh for me and all the guys this has been another edition of the network podcast Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.